This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. Father, we thank you for this time to be together, Lord. Thank you for what you mean to us, Lord, what you've done for us, Father, in the process of justification. Lord, thank you for the things that you've kept from us this week, God, not just the things that we know didn't happen, that we were able to see, Father, but those things that you keep from your children. Because, Lord, we know the Word says that those things will, they will come up, but they will not prosper. And we thank you for that tonight, Father, that the evil doesn't prosper against us. Lord, be with each one who wasn't able to be here tonight, Father, for whatever reason. God, if they're not able to be here for a physical reason, for a mental or spiritual reason, whatever it might be, I ask, Father, that you would speak to them tonight if they would take time to get into your word, Lord, to pray to you, Father, that you would reach out to them, that you would speak to them, you would comfort them in their time of need. Father, you see the needs in our community, Father. We just ask in Jesus' name that you would meet each one. You would bring those things to remembrance that we need to pray about. If it be a person, Lord, that when we think of them, Lord, you would prick our heart, Lord, that we might would pray for them, whatever it is that they might need. Father, we thank you for this time, for the fellowship that we have, and for your word. Lord, I pray that your word goes through tonight. It is not return void. And, Father, what you want to be spoken will be spoken. And it's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. So I, I know we all, we all read our Bible, we all study. If you're teaching a class or you're teaching something, you read to what? In order to teach. But there's also what you have is your personal time when you just read. Or maybe you just listen to a podcast or you listen to someone preach. I love to listen to Adrian Rogers. There's lots of preachers that I just love to hear them, hear them preach. I love the way they, everything about it. You know, I, that's what I would rather listen to. So I was just reading. And whenever you're reading in Acts, there's lots of things that happen in Acts. It's like miraculous. Like it's the Spirit of God poured out on man in a way that it never has been before, manifesting itself physically where everybody can see it. They call it marvelous. It's excellence. It's all these things happening that have you, you have never seen it before, not like this, and not poured out on everybody. I mean, surely poured out on God's people, but not on a bunch of heathens and pagans and people who are Gentiles. That's just unheard of. So as I'm reading... One of the things that hits me is, is it's, it's a story we've heard over and over, guys. I'm going to start in verse 1, just read 1 through 6 of, of Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, so he did ask for something, did he not? He, he was asking for something. He didn't just lay there. Like you'll see some people, like I've never been a beggar. I've never had to beg. I have a church family. I have a family. When I have a need, it's just what the word says. When I have a need for God, I go boldly before the throne. Any time in my life that I haven't had, did I know at that time I could go to people and get it? Now, I've gotten in trouble on multiple occasions when my family came over to my house and they opened the deep freeze and there wasn't any food and they got really mad at me and said, never again. And they cried because you, you never go without anything. This man was expecting something. He had an expectation. He wasn't just laying there and he had his eyes closed and he was hoping somebody would put money in his jar, right? So he's looking at them. He says, but Peter along with John, so both of these men, they fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. Now, I think about when I'm driving through town and there's someone there begging. 
most of the time I don't look at them. I'm just being honest. I don't make eye contact with that individual. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. There's been instances where I know that the Spirit has moved on me and I have made eye contact with a person and I have given people money or food, but not every single time. Not every single time. In this instant, they made sure that this man knew that they were talking to him and that they were looking at him. Has God ever got your attention like that? I asked for something and I have an expectation and God says, hey, wait a minute, hold on. What he's going to say right here is, I know you're expecting this. This is what you prayed for, but here's what you're about to get. And nine times out of ten, what God gives me, no, sorry, ten times out of ten, what God gives me is far superior than what I was asking for. I can't always see that at the time, right, guys, for real? Like, I can't always see that. But but I know because I've lived it and I can look back on it and go, you know, I lost this. This happened. It was a terrible thing. But when I look at what the reality would have been had that not happened, it would have been far worse. God does what he does, and most of the, always it's for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You have to believe that because that's what the Word of God says. So the last thing he says, look at us. And he began to give them his attention. So he didn't ignore them. When they spoke to him, he looked at them expecting to receive something from them. So yet again, he had an expectation when he was sitting there. Then whenever they actually fixed their gaze on him and looked at him, he didn't just go, uh, don't worry about it, guys. Just move on along. He, he, he was wanting something. What, what do you want? Like I'm just, This is just a little lanyard or whatever you want to call it. What is it that you truly want right now in your life? God's not a magician. He's not going to magically give it to you. But if you're not earnestly... If you don't have an earnest expectation, why do you expect God to give it to you? Just because you're his child? If my child, if my son goes home and they live together for the next month and they run out of food and he doesn't tell me he doesn't have any food, I don't know to give him food, do I? you got to open your mouth and tell me that you have a need. God's no different, but here's the difference. God knows everything, but what does he expect? He give us knowledge to say, hey, Lord, Remember the last time that you helped me? I'm going to cry out to you again, and I have an expectation that you're going to meet that. Is that not what, that's how this works. It's reciprocal. But I I do need to speak out, right? So here we go. Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. So the question that I had was, I read that and I just stopped. I said, how bold a statement is that? To say, look, I don't have any money. And I, the same way, I got $20 in my pocket. If anybody needs it, it's yours. I can say that right now. I have $20 in my pocket. And if someone needs it more than me, I'll give it to you tonight. But she says she's wrong. Here's the thing. But this is, my, this is the thing. Listen. What he's about to say is, he's not saying this. I, I'm, I'm saying I have $20 I can give you. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that there's a $20 bill in this billfold. Right? When he says this, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, I possess something. I own something that I have the authority through the name of Jesus to give to you. How bold is that? I don't walk up to people like someone walk up to me and say, hey, tell you what I got. What I have, I'm going to give to you. That's my fault that I don't do that. We're going to look at the things that we do possess. What do we have to give as born again believers, truly filled with the spirit of God? What do we have? This man had the gift of healing that was an apostolic sign. And we've talked about this. Can God still heal somebody? He does it every day. 
All of those things that happen, we're not cessationists. None of that stuff has ceased. If a, if a missionary goes overseas into another country and he's preaching the word of God and they need to hear what he says in their native tongue, God can do that. Not only can he do it, but he still does it to this day. But it's a true language, everyone. Speaking in tongues is a language of a nation. It's not just a bunch of gibberish. It's not bata, bata, bata is what we've learned. It means something. It's meaningful. It edifies the hearer. That's what makes it what it is. The same, same goes here. But this is what he says. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, walk. In the authority of Jesus Christ, with the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ, I proclaim for you to stand up and walk. Not because I'm anything. Do you notice what he used before he told him to do that? The name of Jesus. He has no power and authority. None. But the name, with the name of Jesus, you do. And guess what? Why do we baptize the way we do? There's religions that believe that you, you baptize in the name of Jesus. Name means the power and the authority of. What's the last thing that Jesus told them to do in Matthew 28? To go and do what? Make disciples. To go and do all of these things. When he sent them out two by two, he gave them the power and the authority to do those things. You have that today too. Does it look different? Well, most certainly it does. Apostolic signs were necessary. It's not as necessary today, but guess what? In the middle of the Congo it may be. It may be necessary for a, a missionary that somewhere in the middle of nowhere reaches and gets bitten by a viper that killed, ever, killed 500 people in that tribe and you don't die. Just as we see happen to Paul. Why? Because it's a sign. That doesn't make any sense. Why does that not happen here? Because we have the full canon. We don't need those things the way that people need them in other places because, especially those of us that are born again, why do you need a do you need a sign? Do you truly need a sign aside from anything of the fact that you're filled with the Spirit of God to believe in God and have faith in Him anymore? I personally don't. I've seen miracles. I've seen things happen. If you need more, He says the same thing He told them. There's only but one thing, and that's what three days in the. The belly of the whales. I, I was in the grave and I rose again. What else do you need? I'm asking you tonight. What else do you need other than the fact that you claim that you believe in a God who rose his son from the dead? If you really believe that, what other sign do you need, guys? Nobody rises from the dead. Nobody. That, that has never happened again, ever. So that's... That's kind, of where, that's kind of where I got that from was. So this is what he says. I'm going to read just 3 and 6. And we're going to break it down. It says, but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. Possess. I do not have any. I don't have silver and gold. Guys, I don't have a $100 bill, but I have a $20 bill. I possess that. It belongs to me now. Who does this money actually belong to? The, the federal government. The federal government owns that money, but they've given me the right to possess that money and use that money to pay for something. The power that you have inside, the spirit that you have does not belong to you. It belongs to the Father of all creation, but he has afforded you the opportunity to possess that and to use it on his behalf. It's not ownership, but possession. Of. It's possession, right? Does that, does that click right in your mind? If the government wants to take all my money, unfortunately, they really can because <laughs> I'm not going to fight them. I'm not going to kill anybody over some money. I'm not going to kill them over a gun. That's my conviction. I'll die before I do that. That's my conviction. Everybody's different, right? 
But it does belong to them because if I look on it, it actually says it's property of the, of the Federal Reserve. It belongs to the government. They give me the right to use it. So, for commerce. But he says, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. I have what I possess, what I have hold of, what I have. What I truly have, I give to you. I grant, and it's to give to one who is asking. I let you have it. I grant it to you. But what's awesome is to you, that's, that's the intended recipient. It's a, it's a personal pronoun. We know that. But how, why does he have the authority to do that? He follows that up immediately by saying what? In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Had he not said that, he would not have walked. Do you believe that? Do you think that he could have said that and left out in the name of Jesus the Nazarene? No, guys, he couldn't. He didn't have the power and the authority to do that. The authority and the power is in the name. The name is by the command and the authority, by the, by the command and the authority of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And guess what? You don't have an option at that point. You don't have an option at that point. What does the Word of God say? That, that if people wouldn't have worshipped God, what would the rocks have done? They would have cried out because somebody's going to praise him. Somebody's going to worship him. Somebody was going to walk. If that man would not have received that, then somebody else around there would have got up and walked away. But it was by faith he received it. He, was, he had an expectation, and then he was expecting money. But then when they fixed their gaze on him, he returned their gaze, and he listened to them, and then he took what they had. And he didn't get mad about it. I'm going to be honest with you. I know people because I worked at Ball Foods for a while and I knew people that would come in there and they did not want to be healed. They wanted a check. And they literally would say that. I'm like, well, what would it be like if God were to heal you? I don't want healing. I just want to get a check from the government every month. This guy could have been the same way. He could have been like, are you kidding me? So now I have to go work the rest of my life? I mean, this has been pretty horrible, but I've gotten used to it. I'm like 40-something years old. Let's say I'm 40 or 50 years old. I've done this my whole life. Dude, why did you just do that? Why would you do that? I asked you for silver and gold. I didn't ask for that, but did he do that? You know how often we do that? No, we, we ask God for something. And then when we get the other thing that's actually better, we get angry about it. Or we don't understand, well, why'd you give me that? Because that's better for you. Way better for you. So with that thought in mind, if you would like to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. This is where, you call it what you want, the spirit. My mind is the seat of my being, guys. I think with my mind. I do everything with my mind. I believe that the spirit of God leads my mind where it needs to go when I'm in the word. Do you? I, that's just how I truly believe. I don't just pick and choose things. It's like I'm led to places. These are things. The question is, what do you have to give? Right now, at this very moment, the things that we're about to go over, you have, of the spiritual gifts, you have at least one. You cannot say that you don't, because if you say you don't, then you're not saved. Understand that. I'm not being mean tonight, because I know I've been called mean-spirited many times. I'm going to try and be very gentle and very kind. If you do not possess a gift of the Spirit, you are not born again. You're not born again if you don't possess one. Now, are you using it? Well, you're hindering the Spirit. That's between you and God. But what I'm saying, a born-again believer, a person who says they're born again and they're filled with the Spirit of God and says, well, I don't have a gift, well, then you're either a liar or you're, or you're unsaved, one or the other.
And we're going to prove that. So let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And in Brother Gene's Bible, different ones, KJV, it says, I would not want you to be what? Ignorant. I don't, I don't want you to be ignorant of this fact. There's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance means I know nothing about it. Stupidity is, is I reveal the truth to you and you, you, you decide to remain ignorant to it. Stupidity is a choice, everyone. Ignorance is not. We're ignorant of all kinds of things. But stupidity is a choice. So he says, look, I don't want you to be ignorant, so I'm about to lay this out for you about spiritual gifts specifically. Because what did he call them? He says, brethren. That means they're saved. That means they're filled with the Spirit of God. She says, I don't want you to be unaware or ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is at Lord by, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, starting in 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts. These are spiritual endowments to edify the church. The gift that you have is not to glory yourself. If your gift is whatever the gift is that you think you have when we look at all of this, if you're doing it for self, I promise you it's not a spiritual gift. It's, your your self-edification is not part of, of God's kingdom. We don't edify self. Because how many people have you seen edify self, and do you see them anymore? They edify themselves right out of the kingdom. God will not share his glory with anybody else. That is a fact. You either get in line and you do what's right or you get out. That doesn't mean you're unsaved and you're destined for hell. It just means until you humble yourself and go back to him the way you should, you're no use to him. Pride and arrogance is not useful to the Lord. He needs a contrite and humble heart. His word says that over and over and over. That's what he loves. That's what he longs for. So then he goes on to say, varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So listen, don't, don't envy one another's gift. Don't be upset because somebody else got this gift and you got a different gift. People do that so much. They get angry because they, don't, they think that this gift is better than this gift. Well, let me tell you something. The gift that you might think is the best gift in the whole world, you're not prepared for it or the Spirit wouldn't give it to you. It's not The Spirit doesn't just throw stuff out and say, oh, here, here's a bunch of gifts. Wherever they fall, that's where. We're not throwing seeds. We're not sowers right now. This is the Spirit of God doing the work of God. It's not happenstance. That's the cool part, the awesome part. Okay, he says, and there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. Ministries, spirit-empowered service to promote Christ. Not, not to promote you, to promote Christ. That's what a ministry does. A ministry doesn't, I don't get up there and promote Matt McNeely as the associate pastor of this church. That's not what that said. It says I promote Jesus Christ or I or I don't need to be in the pulpit. I, sh I don't need to be a teacher. Let there not be many masters because they'll receive the greater condemnation. When you minister to other people, whatever it might be, if you're doing it for self or for the wrong reason, please stop and ask for repentance. Step back for a season, a short season, and reevaluate. Pray. Ask somebody to come along with you and pray. Get back where you're supposed to be. Because, y'all, that's, that's a bad place to find yourself. In the hands of an angry God. I don't want to be in, in, under God's condemnation. I don't like getting whooped on. Don't bring stuff on yourself. We have a tendency to do that, sadly. There are varieties of effects. Varieties, divisions, differences, and diversities of operations that work to cause an intended result. 
Here's the other part. If you say that you have a spiritual gift and you're operating in that gift, but there's never, there's never an outcome, you're not operating in a spiritual gift, guys. If you say that your gift is a gift of prophecy, but you never give a word, you don't have it. You can't say that you have something and it never manifests itself, right? That's like saying, what is that? My faith is not my faith and my works. What? They go hand in hand. Show me your faith without your works. Well, show me your gift of prophecy without prophesying. And I'm going to tell you, you're not, you're not, you don't have the gift of prophecy because the spirit of God doesn't give you something and then you not have an outcome. There's an intended goal for what the spirit gives you, right? So if you're not... Now that doesn't, you may if you learn about it, as you learn what it is, then you're going to, as you, as you grow, your ability to use it will become better. Well, you mature it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like anything, it's what you say, it's like whatever craft or your job skill is that you do. So it is something that you can get better at, you know. But like you say, it's something that you're going to, God didn't give it to you to just pull by the way just whenever you feel like it. Remember, you got that in the back, you know. How else fell? Here, throw that out there. You know, it's like that, it's to edify him. So, yeah. yeah, it's a positive thing. It's meant to be used, not to be squandered or pressed down because I don't, you know, whether I don't think I need it, I don't have time to do it, or whatever a person's excuse is for saying, well, I. I know I have a gift. I just want to exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then he says, there are varieties of effects, right? So there is, an in, there is an intended result. There's an operation that works to cause an outcome. Then he says, these there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. So it's still the same spirit, the same God that's doing all of this. Verse 7 says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, the manifestation, the demonstration, testimony, or evidence of the Spirit of God. That's what you receive. This in your spiritual gift is this. It's a demonstration, a testimony, and an evidence that there is a Spirit living inside of you. And that Spirit is the Spirit of God. That's what that gift is supposed to do. It's supposed to prove that you are who you say you are. And you're doing it in the power of what? The Spirit. You're not doing it in your own power. It's impossible to do this in your own power. It's, there's no way. It's, you're going to mess it up horribly. We've all done that before. You're, you're trying to pursue something, you're trying to do something, and you're doing it in yourself, and what happens? It, the intended result never comes. And what usually comes out of that is really bad for you and those that a lot of times you're trying to help. It's not helping anyone. You're hindering the work of the Spirit of God. The Spirit is the one that's supposed to do the work. Stop hindering the work. That's, that's a big problem that we all have. For the common good, it's advantageous or profitable to all. That's the way it should be in the church, too. When you exercise your spiritual gift, it should profit everyone. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes that profiting to an individual doesn't feel like profit. doesn't feel profitable. Nobody likes to be admonished, but it's profitable for you. Nobody wants to be told that they're wrong and condemned for their sin and their heathen ways. But it's advantageous for you because if not, you're going to burn in hell. You get what I'm saying? Like profit, in other words, profitable just doesn't mean that it makes me feel good. 
No, profitable a lot of times means it's not good for you, and that's what makes it good for you. And that's what people, you can't wrap your mind around that is. In other words, you're being chastened by God. Being whipped is not a good thing, but if it's by God, it's a good thing because why? He only chastens those who are his what? His sons and daughters. He doesn't do that to anybody outside of his kingdom. He takes care of those in his kingdom that don't do what they're supposed to. But you know when that's happening that you're part of the kingdom of God. Y'all, those that are on the outside, it seems profitable to them that nothing ever befalls them, that God doesn't deal with them, that God lets them do whatever they want to do. But in the end, is it profitable? Most certainly not. In the end, it's ruin, 100% ruin. So then in in verse 8, he goes on to say, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So you notice how it's called spiritual gifts. Who's important every bit of this? The Spirit. It's kind of like a common theme. Word of wisdom, a message of divine insight and skill. Right? Wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is what I know. Skill, wisdom is the way that I use it. <clears throat> I know that if you are homosexual, that the Word of God says you're going to burn in hell. Now, the way that I go about articulating that to a person who is outside of God's will, that's wisdom. Right? And usually the reason that I'm able to do it the right way is because I've failed a bunch of times. I've failed. Alcoholism. You shouldn't be an alcoholic. I mean, we've we've had that conversation a couple weeks ago. Do you drink a beer? Whatever. That's your business. But you should not be an alcoholic. You should not get drunk day after day after day, especially to the point that you can't take care of your family, correct? But how do I tell that person that? That That means a lot. If I... The way I go at someone or I talk to somebody, wisdom lets me know maybe I shouldn't say a word. Let's be honest, because this is what I love. The word has been dealing with me a lot is the wise man doesn't tell his whole heart. Only a fool does. There's things that every one of you think about me, about this church, about this ministry, about one another that you'll never tell the other person because you're wise. Because you're, you're standing back and you're watching and you're waiting to see. There's no need to say it because all it's going to do is cause division and hurt, right, and anger. So the best thing to do is to sit back and just wait and see what God's doing. Does that make sense? But a foolish man speaks every single word that comes into his mind, comes out of his heart, and it causes... Right? That's wisdom. See, see, that's wisdom. And that takes time to understand that. Because there's a time when I would have told you everything that I thought about you. But now I don't. Because it does it help anything? It doesn't. It hurts my witness and it hurts your feelings. And then you don't want to listen to anything I have to say. Because you think I'm a jerk. Being wise enough to hold your tongue, right, gives, gives time for God to work in a situation. Yeah. You know, where you could have just escalated that to the point of no return. You know, God can work it out. He, he, nine times out of ten, he's already working it out. Right? And we got to exercise when we're getting down to it. Maybe it's in this one. Maybe it's not. Self-control, which is a gift of the Spirit. Right? It's, and then it's just how we are. It's, it's blessed human beings and we're trying to study the Word and we're trying to steer our lives and do everything right and not do anything wrong. And then we approach somebody that we see is not in the way 
a lot of times it's 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 a, it's a judgmental look at things to say, hey, you can't do that. I can't do that a lot, a whole lot more things, you know. So hey, number one, you need to get this fixed, and that's usually the wrong way to God's love. God loves that person just as much as He loves you, and yeah. What you say and when it comes out of your mouth can determine how much longer or if that person may ever come to know them. And none of us would want that hung on us to know that something no. I said. My condemnation of somebody is a, a sinner just like no. I was before I come to know the Lord. No. If I was the stumbling block that kept me from becoming a Christian, something I said out of malice, out of judgment. Even though, you know, like God said, hate the sin, love the sin. And sometimes that's hard for people to articulate because we think, well, people can get in that mindset that I have to tell everybody everything they're doing wrong. And I can only be around people that are just like me. No. We won't ever reach the world if that's all we ever are. Yep. It's calm. Condemnative of that's not a word, but that's all we do is we are we have condemnation for those who are like us. And in our workplace, if we're not showing God's love and those things, and we're always just scornful, like, oh yeah, I know what they're doing. I mean, God gives us in our spirit the ability to discern things, but we don't need to say everything, like you said. Yeah, was one reason that. One reason that uh, Solomon was the wisest man on earth because he had 700 wives and how many concubines. He had to know what he could say and what he couldn't say. So God gave him a lot, a lot of wisdom. <laughs> All right, so a word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge is a deeper doctrinal truth that's, that's applied. Think about this. We, we say this a lot of times. You're reading your Bible and you've read it and you've read it and you've read it and you get what we call them nuggets. Different people call them different things. But you know that moment whenever you've, you're going back over that again, maybe for the hundredth time and something just is there that you never saw before. That's a word of knowledge. It's something that's deeper than just what's on the surface. It's something that's that's within there that the Lord has revealed to you because why? Because just like just like this man, you were seeking for it. Why do you read your Bible over and over again? Let's be honest. I mean, for the average person that's in here, you're not doing it to impress anybody, are you? Are you? Do you have your Bible and you're sitting there and you're reading so that you impress somebody when they come in your house or you impress your spouse? No. There's, there's no reason to read your Bible honestly other than that you want to know more about God. And sometimes you're reading it and... You're doing it because you know that's what you're supposed to do, but it never it never starts that way that it doesn't end the right way. I'm just being honest for myself. Do I want to do I truly have time every day to read the Bible? Yes. Do I want to every day? No. I would like to do something I want to do. But that's sometimes is how my attitude is going into it, but it never ends up that way. Because somewhere along the way, because I was obedient to the word of God and I put the word in, I'm doing what the word says, right? I'm putting it into practice that God begins to deal with me, and he's like, you're wrong. And I'm like, yes, I am. And before it's over with, there's something new that you've learned every single time you get in his word, a word of knowledge. Then he goes on into verse 9. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by one spirit. 
The same Spirit's doing all these things. Faith, assurance, and belief in the truth of the gospel. And here's the thing. Different people do have varying degrees of faith, but faith, the Word says, is just like a muscle. It's to be exercised. Every time the hard things, the trials and the tribulations and all the bad things I go through, when I come out the other side and I'm still okay, that should have grown my faith. And every time that my faith is grown, I should get stronger in my faith. That doesn't work for every single person, but it should. If I look back on it and the Lord got me through that and he got me through that and he got me through that, I should have more faith in him, not less, ideally. The other part was healing. Healing is remedy and curing. But here's the awesome part. I want you to notice where it says, and gifts of healing. You see it's plural. None of the rest of them are plural. How many different ways can you heal a person? Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Do you see where I'm? Like every single person, this is just the truth. If you're born again, every person has the gift of healings. We just do it in different ways. That's actually plural. The whole phrase is plural. plural. Healings is plural. Literally, it's gifts of healings. We all heal people in different ways. Ainsley just so happens to, her, her craft is to do her very best to heal people. Psychology. I love psychology. It's awesome. I know it's a science and people or whatever, but if you do it right and, and truthfully and you're born again and you trust in God to guide you, psychology is one of the most awesome tools there is, right? But that's not the only way to help somebody. Just listen to somebody. My heart breaks every single day because my dad is dead. And someone comes along and I talk to him about it and then I feel better. You just helped heal you helped cure. You were the remedy for what I had. The sin that's in our life when we go into the book of James and it says confess our sins to one another. Right? You helped remedy the problem that I had. I had a sin. I confess my sin to you. The burden is lifted. But you came alongside and you helped heal that in me. You were what the Spirit of God used to help me. We all have that ability, but do we exercise it? Do we use it? Then in verse 10, and to another, the effecting of miracles. Powerful works through God's ability, always through God's ability. Let's, let's, let's remember that, please. Then we have prophecy. Prophecy, communicating and enforcing revealed truth. You understand what I just said? Revealed truth. Truth that's already been revealed. The Word of God says there's nothing new. There is no new prophecy. If someone comes to you with a new revelation that's not in the Word of God, don't please don't listen to them. Because everything's been revealed in this Word. It says not to add anything to it or take anything away from it or the curses of these book will be what? Added to you. Added to you. I, I don't want that in my life. The next would be distinguishing of spirits. That's discerning good from evil. Hebrews chapter 5. What was he, what was he so, why was he so upset, whoever the writer of Hebrews was? What was his problem with them? He said, listen, at the time that you should be teaching, I have to come back again and, and you're, you're on milk again. You should be discerning the difference between good and evil. And you can't even do that because you've backslidden so far. He didn't tell them they were, they were bankrupt. He didn't tell them that they weren't saved. He just said, where are you? You, you started your race so good. What happened? That's, and that's where we find ourselves, right? The Lord speaks that into me at times. Matt, you, you, were, like, you started this thing out really awesome. And, and like a year ago, you were doing really awesome, but you were doing poorly right now. Stop hindering my spirit. Stop, stop living in your flesh. You need to quit. 
because you're the reason. I'm the reason that I am where I am. If I'm away from the Lord, where's God? Right where I departed from him. He hadn't left. I left him. I have to walk away. I have to suppress the spirit. That's what I do. And do I do that? Yes, every single day. And it's ridiculous. I sit here and tell you these things, and I know I know for a fact that I'm going to do it again because I'm wicked and I'm evil and I'm flesh. And all that's being worked out of me. And for me to sit here and say that I'm not going to ever sin again makes God a liar. I, there's no way I can do that. Do I purpose it? Of course not. I don't want to sin. I don't want to let anyone down. But do I do it? Most certainly, guys. And I will until the day I'm dead because that's what the Word of God says. Then he goes on and says, tongues. This is actual languages spoken by nations. And then there's interpretation of tongues. And this is a word-for-word rendering of what was said. Not, not like your paraphrase of it, but like whenever this person speaks in a language that's a true language, you hear that and you render it word for word. That's what true tongues is, as far as biblical tongues. So that, that's another, another miracle. But here's, here's the cool part, uh, the awesome part. In verse 11, To another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues, but in 11, But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. When you get upset because you don't have the gift that you want to, you're mad at God. Do you understand that? Because actually this wills is 1014 in the Greek. And what it means is it means predetermined intention for God's purpose. There was a predetermined reason that you received the gift that you received. And you know what it was for? For God's purpose. And that is to edify the body. It, it, we, we learned that earlier on in there. Every gift should edify and be profitable to the whole body. If it's not, oh my goodness. Can you lose the ability to do things? Most certainly. Does that mean you're not saved anymore? No. But do you, you can have things removed from you. That's a reality. What does it say in there? We've seen that in some of the parables, right? They, the talents, the different things. What you have can be taken. The gifts that you've been given, those things that God has in, he has given to you and he's entrusted to you, and then you turn that around and you work for him because you love him, you serve him. And if you don't, why would he? He's not going to give something to you and let you keep it and you misuse it. He loves you too much. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. We know this one very well. We as born-again believers possess the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, I don't know what spiritual gift you have. That's not my business. But I do know this, that all nine of these spirits, <laughs> these, these fruit, all nine of these fruit, singular, you possess every one of them if you're born again. How do I know there's nine? Because I hung nine pictures on a wall. And while doing it, I learned a lot about self-control and patience and peace and joy and love and faith. Miss Ainsley has them on her wall over her table where they eat. And we hung them and we measured and we measured and we me and we made sure and we stepped back and we oh Lord. But in even in that, I learned a lot about what we're about to talk about. Because you know what? I embody those things in my person because I'm filled with the Spirit of God. You can't be a born again believer and not possess the fruit singular of the Spirit. It belongs to you because it's the fruit of what? The spirit that inhabits your body. Do you have every spiritual gift? No. 
No, you don't. You have spiritual gifts that are given by the Spirit of God as he so determines based upon what God told him for the purpose of edifying the church. But these, these gifts, these fruit, edify everybody. And not only that, but they edify who? They edify you as a child of God. The fruit. Because <clears throat> it's what the Spirit bears. <clears throat> fruit is what? Yeah. The fruit is bore. Okay. What's a fruit tree supposed to do? It bears fruit. And if it doesn't, but here's the thing that's scary about that is, guess what? You bear fruit every day to righteousness or unrighteousness either way. Every single soul that's alive, that's an eternal soul, bears fruit. And that fruit is either to righteousness or it's to unrighteousness. There's no middle ground. It's not like, well, that fruit doesn't really fit in either way, so we're just going to throw it away. No, it's one or the other, guys. And we all bear fruit to unrighteousness every day. But we also bear fruit to righteousness. That's what lets us know. Because can a, can a person who's not saved, can they bear righteous fruit? Say no, please. Because they're not filled with the Spirit of God. And these fruit come from the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have these fruit. Can people in the world be compassionate? Can they be patient? Can they be kind? Can they be good? Yes, but that's just, that's just God's goodness. You want to know what is God's mercifulness and goodness? Is that you can still have some of those things, but it's not being bore by the Spirit. So it, it really, in the end, what is it? It means nothing. It's meaningless. Because when you stand before Him, it's not going to matter that you are a compassionate, good, kind person. Because those are just things that God manifests to people because of His mercifulness. Thank so, God. So common grace. Common graces, yes. So let's start in, let's look first at John 13, 35. I'm going to read it these, to you guys. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Love. Let's look at the first one. Love from Galatians. The first thing that we see, Galatians 5 and 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, number one. John 13 and 35, Jesus Christ says this, by, all, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Do you notice that he wasn't talking about, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't love everybody because we are called to love everybody, but do you notice he's talking specifically about born-again believers? He's talking about his disciples. He's not talking about the pagans and the people outside. He's talking about us. If we do not love each other inside this church, if we don't truly love each other, then we don't display the love of God. We really need to pray. That's why a lot of people have church hurt and people leave churches because they see people backbiting and fighting within the church. Why would you want to be a part of that? I don't. But I've sat here through the last 10 years of it and watched it. Seen it even in the last year at this same place. This is where God placed me, though. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, not my flesh. I'm not going to turn tail and run. That's what most people do. They get their feelings hurt or they get upset about something and they leave. That's not the way this is supposed to be. Are you led by God or are you led by the flesh? Are you pleasing God or are you pleasing man? You have to answer those questions. Love for your fellow believer is a must. A must. People say, well, why aren't people coming to our church? Well, do they see love here? Whenever you're not at this church, are you talking bad about another member? Are you talking bad about the preacher? Are you talking bad about the song leader? Are you talking bad about somebody running the sound? I'm not going to your church because you're a backbiter. The things we do and we say when we're away from this place have a great impact on what happens here. 
I know why some people don't come to this church because they've heard people in this church talk about people in this church. And I ask them why they won't come or why they won't come back, and that is exactly why. That's not love. That's not love. But then people get upset because people don't want to stay. Well, manifest love to one another. Let people see that that's what we're about here. Maybe they will. Exactly. Both ways. And we've had people that were here that have come back and stayed because they see something has changed. There is a difference. The atmosphere is different. Nobody wants to stay in a place where it's, but, the, but it starts right here with the first thing with love. It's divine love. That's what God prefers. All, y'all, there's so many di- different types of love. There's brotherly love. There's love between a husband and a wife. There's lots of different. But what's the, what's the greatest love? Agape. Because it's perfect. It's the perfect love of God. It's, it's a purpose thing. It's not based on what you do to me or I do to you or how you make me feel or affections or emotions. It's love in its purest form. The next thing we see is joy. Philemon 1 and 7 says, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. This joy that he's talking about, for I have come to have much joy and comfort in you. Can people say that about you? Because that is a fruit of the Spirit. Like they have joy and comfort in you. There's lots of this, people in this church bring me great joy. Seeing the things that we, we've overcome. Seeing whenever bad things happen. All of those things bring me joy because guess what? We're still here and we're still fighting the same battles. We're still overcoming. Miss Mary, bless her heart, falls down and knocks her teeth out. And then the next thing, something else happens to another thing. And then the next time happens that, but she's sitting here tonight. All of those things, we can go back four years almost now, all the way back to Christmas, that last Christmas that we had whenever she got sick and she had to have surgery. And and nothing has stopped her from coming back here as soon as she was physically able. She's had at least 50 things I could think of. Like, honestly, I'm not kidding. At least 50 things in the last four years that have happened to her that many people would have, they'd have never come back. They'd have said, there's no way that the, that the God that I worship loves me. All my teeth are falling out. My feelings are falling out. I'm falling down. This is how, but why, why are you here, Miss Mary? Because this is where God wants me because to be here. There, that, that's what this is about. That brings me great joy because despite what I've seen happen to her, she's sitting right there worshiping and loving the Lord. Is it perfect? No, because we're not perfect people. But that brings me joy. That brings me joy. And it should bring you joy too. That's why we're here. Miss Jenna Kay fighting with her eyes for like years. But every time that she's able to, she's right back here. Brother Gene went through a terrible time, but he's back here. I mean, look at look at what we've all been through, but where are we? We're back here. That brings me joy because I know that there's a love in you for the same Father that I have. And it's that joy of the Lord that's spread across in your life that brings you back to this place. Time after time after time. I mean, that, that's... So then we have peace. The next, the next fruit is peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew 5 and 9, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peace is God's gifts of mercy that brings harmony and security. So that peace is a harmony within within the ranks of this church, within our families, within our just our lives every day. But guess what? Why does it say security? The true peace of God has saved us from God's what? His wrath. 
You are secure in the knowledge that the wrath of God will not be poured out on you. You want to know what perfect peace is? Is knowing that the God of the universe loves you and that he, he has no ill will towards you. I, y'all, I can't think of anything. But guess what? You have that in you now, and you can give that to everyone around you. So notice these things right here are things that God has given us, but it's our, you and I, who are filled with the Spirit to display these things, to allow the Spirit to work in us so that other people see that. Other people see the joy that we have regardless of the situation, the love we have for other people regardless of the situation, the peace in, the, in wherever we find ourselves that we try our very best to bring peace. I always go back to this with Brother Gene because I, I just have, it's just from the very beginning is live peaceably with all men such as is what, Brother Gene? Possible. Because it's not always possible. It is not always possible to live peaceably with everyone. The Arab nations, the Palestinians and the Israelites, those those nations, they're never going to be perfectly at peace. And when they do, the Bible says, watch out because the time has come, right? We know it's a fulfillment of prophecy, but we're supposed to do our very best to try to be peacemakers. This goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the wisdom. Wisdom says whenever someone's mean, spiteful, talking about me, doing something, I don't react. Because what, what does that, there's still peace, right guys? That's just like until a shot is fired, two armies can be on either side ready to wage war. But until the first shot is fired, we're not at war. We're just waiting. And there's, and there's a time there that what, that it can be worked out. The two nations can work it out. Well, that's between me and you. I have no problem with Brother Travis loving to death. As far as I know, we've never even had a problem. But if Brother Travis has a problem with me, and I know that the best thing for me to do at the very beginning is just to is to pray and to wait. Just pray and wait. If he's talking about me to everybody in the church, well, that's going to hurt my feelings. It really is, honestly. But I've learned through the through that to just wait. Wait on God. Don't wage war with someone until you know that it's time to wage war with someone. And that war is what? It's in prayer. Pray. Then you go to that individual. That, that one individual and you talk to them. Does that make sense? We're to be peacemakers. Don't, don't start a problem when there's not one. Any, any good leader exhausts every effort before you fire a shot. Right? Most certainly. You don't just hit the red button. None of us would be here. Yeah, we'd all be dead. But spiritually, it's the same thing. We want to we wanna turn the keys, right? We want to we wanna start the countdown. We want to heat the silos up, but... We haven't, we haven't even tried to do peace talk, right? We just, let's just go straight to war. Let's just do it. It may work like that for some people, Ronnie, but it doesn't, in the spirit world, it doesn't work that way. Spiritually, it, peace, is pre, peace is brokered by the Spirit of God, but you and I are filled with the Spirit. So we're supposed to be peacemakers. We're supposed to do everything to try and... And keep peace. And that's where, if you would, turn to Romans 15, 1 through 7, and that's where we'll end tonight. Because we're going to look at the last 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and we're going to include peace too in this idea. But we're looking at patience, long-suffering produced by and obtained through God. Okay, so I'm going to read that again. Patience, the patience that you and I have is long-suffering that's produced by and obtained through God. The only way you can have this is from God. Kindness. It meets others' needs and avoids harsh behaviors. 
someone comes to me and says, hey, I really need such and such. I don't get an attitude with them. You come and ask me, hey, I need to see the budget report from two years ago for the month of March. I don't go, well, I guess if I have to get it for you, I will. How are you going to feel about me after that? I would hope you would go to the preacher and say, Brother Matt, he's being a real jerk. No, no, no. I meet your need, but I don't do it in a harsh manner. Like the way I say and the way my mannerisms say a lot, like just the way that I do things has, I can make you scared of me without even using my voice wrong. You know what I'm saying? Just by the actions that I have. If somebody's running at you and they're not even saying a word, but they're just running crazily at you, I would assume you would move out of their way. They haven't spoken a word. They haven't done anything. Our actions speak louder than our words always, always. So goodness, moral excellence from God. Is there goodness inside of you? Yes, because the Spirit of God is good. Because Jesus Christ himself said only the Father is good. Well, the Spirit of the Father lives inside of you, believers, so there is good in you. But that goodness is only Jesus Christ. It's not you, because you're evil and terrible, and that's just the truth. But there is goodness, and that goodness is what he sees when he looks down on us. Faithfulness, divine persuasion with a guarantee. It's divine persuasion. What persuades you to be faithful? The guarantee that God is who God says he is, that he will be who he says he's going to be forever. It, and that what? At the end of this, we are overcomers. That's what keeps me faithful to God, is the fact I truly believe in God, guys. I truly believe in his word. I believe what he says. I believe that regardless of what happens, that he, he means good for me. Even when it hurts me, even when it crushes me, I know that on the backside there is a lesson that I'm going to learn. There's goodness from God even in the worst, in the worst things. Gentleness, divinely balanced virtue operating in faith. Meekness, gentleness is the same as meekness. So divinely balanced virtue, divinely balanced meekness. What is meekness? It's, it's power that's under control. That's really what it is. It says gentleness means I have the power to crush this cup. And I do, but I don't. Because it's profitable. I need that cup. I want to get some coffee. Now, I could crush it. Well, God could crush every single one of us too. But he chooses not to. So it's, it's the power that I possess through the Spirit of God in me operating in faith but I'm not exercising it in a way that I'm lording over you or I'm being ugly. And that's what a lot of people do. Power. People get a little bit of power. It goes to their head. The next thing you know, that's where self-control, the last one, comes in. Self-control is mastery of the inward passions and desires. Is anybody in here have per perfect self-control? Absolutely not. But let me ask you this. Do you have more self-control than you did whenever you got saved? Do you have more self-control than you did a year ago or a month ago? Okay, then, we're in a process of sanctification. So we're all on the same page, are we not? My, my self-control may be a little bit more. I, I pray that Brother Gene's self-control is greater than mine, right? Because he's been doing this far longer than I have. His walk with God is different than mine. His knowledge is different than mine. But that doesn't mean that I'm lesser than him. Yeah. And that's how, that's how we think a lot of times. Well... You, you just don't have enough self-control. No, no, no. I have the self-control that God intended for me to have at this moment and purposed in my life, and it's being worked out of me. Don't be judging people like that. 
we have a tendency to do that too. So in let's just look at Romans 15, 1 through 7, keeping these things in mind. So now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. So first of all, we should have patience with people who are weaker than us. And this is people who are weaker in what? In spirit. He's talking spiritually. So let's just look at that first. Those who are weaker in their spirit, that means that you and I have to have patience with that person, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control with that person. You're going to see all these manifested in these seven. Then he says, each of us is to please not just ourselves, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Now that hits hard. What do you mean? I'm supposed to put Brother Ronnie's betterment over my own? That's exactly what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that I should look upon other men's affairs and have and think more about them than I do about myself because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ, he thought more of everybody else. That's why he died. He didn't think that he was better than anyone else. I'm supposed to want your good more than I even want my own good. How hard is that? Extremely. I should want you to get a raise before I even get a raise. Well, that's crazy. No, that's the Word of God. And I hope it cuts you. And I hope it leaves a lasting impression on you. Because we fail at that. We really fail at that. Does that mean we're destined for hell? No, again, I'm going to say that. It just means we're in a process. And we don't have the wisdom that we need to possess. So God is working on us. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So whenever you get in trouble because of somebody else, we really get upset about that. Well, I can't believe that I got in trouble because so-and-so did something and they're blaming me for it. Suck it up. Honestly, suck it up. That's what they did to our Savior. You think you're any better? You who possess the fruit of the Spirit? You who's possessed, supposed to possess the same spirit that kept our Savior going when he should have been dead. But you're going to bellyache about some of the things that we do, myself included. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. How often do you read your Bible? All of you who are heavy laden and anxious and have no hope. Because I just read it to say right there that, let's see, let's read it again. He says this, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, number one, so that through perseverance, that means overcoming these things, and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So if you don't have the encouragement of the scriptures, you don't have hope, believer. Why do you find yourself hopeless? Why do you find yourself bankrupt? Because you're not reading God's word. That's exactly what it says. You who are filled with the Spirit of God, what is nourishing the Spirit in you? Uh, YouTube isn't, unless it's a preacher preaching. Definitely, um, TikTok's not. Uh, let's see, definitely not Netflix. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like There are a million times a million things that could take our attention away from this. And that's exactly what it was designed to do. And y'all, it works perfectly. We should read, why should we do it again? So that we can have encouragement of the scriptures, so that we can have hope. Whenever you don't feel, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling hopeless, open your Bible and read the Word of God. There, that, that Word was for you. It is for you. It's the living Word. It excites that which is within you. 
Why does he say that? Awaken, awaken. He's not saying you're asleep. He's saying stir the spirit. Stir up that which is within you. Feed the spirit what it's asking for. Verse 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. We really need that. As a church, as believers, as families, as we need the same mind, we need to be in one accord. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it seems to me like we need the Lord, number one, and we need His Word so that we can do what? So that we can be in one accord, so that we can do those things. So with one voice glorify God. I want to glorify God, do you? Then last, in seven, therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Accept one another the way that you are with whatever gift God's give you. Don't envy against each other. Don't boast in what you have. The gift that you have, if you're not manifesting the fruit of the Spirit perfectly, go back to the fruit of the Spirit and see how should I handle every single situation that I come in contact with because it's going to tell you to love, it's going to tell you to have joy, to try to keep peace, to be patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and have self-control. If you really, I'm being honest with you, in every situation that you find yourself in, and you're not because it's going to take some of your precious time, and I get that, if you use those as a litmus test, if, if Ainsley and Ethan, because they're going to, when they get into an argument over whatever it is, because I'm sure it's going to be very meaningful, um, walked into the kitchen, and they both stood there, and they looked at that wall, and they started going through all of them, and they started thinking about what they're... And this goes for all of us. Maybe we should all put that on our wall. And we all stopped, and we looked at the fruit, and we remembered that the Spirit of God lives inside of us, and then we thought about the reason that we're even in the argument that we're in in the beginning. I bet we would stop. I'm being honest. I bet we would stop because we're not manifesting these when we're doing that. I understand there's difference. There's times where you need to be right and not happy or whatever. We laugh about that because that is pretty funny. But in the long run, I don't think there's anybody who has lost a loved one or lost someone who said, you know, I wish I'd have gotten one more fight with them. I wish I'd have been right just one more time. I wish I could have put them in their place just one more time. No, that's not what they say. They say, you know, I just wish I'd have been more patient. I wish I'd have been more gentle. We should have had a little more self-control because we look back on those moments and those are the moments that hurt us the most is when we know we hurt the ones that we love the most. That, that's what the Spirit of God is doing. It's trying to provoke us and move us to a place to where we're slow to anger and we're slow to wrath and we're quick to listen and we stop hurting one another and we go back to that first thing, love. We love each other. You may not like the things I say. You may not like the way I do things. You may not like how fat I am or that I'm bald. But none of that matters. God's love is what matters. And if you can't love me in spite of all of those things, you don't deserve me because the God loves me. God loves me just like I am, and He's working that out of me every single day. And listen, if God can love me and God has forgiven me, who are you not to? I have to tell myself that with the people who have wronged me, that have hurt me, if God forgave them, who in the world am I to not be forgiving? Who am I not to be forgiving? 
God has given me all of these things. He's given me the ability to be able to say exactly what he said there. Look, guys, I don't have a whole lot of things. But what I have, I can give to others. So tonight, honestly, what do you have to give? You need to search yourself tonight when you lay down, when you leave from here as you do. What do you truly have to give? Because if you're a born-again believer filled with the Spirit of God, you have gifts and you have the fruit. Are you using it? I'm telling you, I don't use it enough. And I'm responsible for that. You see, that's where that goes side by side, right? Is the Spirit of God responsible for me being a knucklehead? Of course not. The Spirit is driving me every day to put my flesh behind and to walk in the Spirit. And I don't. And I'm responsible for that. And we wonder why at times, why does it say Jesus Christ, he grew, he grew in favor with what? God and man. Why did he do that? Because he was led by the Spirit of God. I have to watch that with myself. If I see that people don't want to be around me anymore, or people are talking about me, or people have a problem with me, I might need to look inside, right? Because the problem starts here. I can't blame anybody else for my imperfections. They're mine. And then I go back and I use this as a litmus, and I look and I say, can I see these things in my life? Am I using the gift that God gave me properly? And when I use that gift, am I manifesting His fruit? Because if I'm not, then I'm not even using the very gift that I've been given in the right way. And that's using what God gave me in the wrong way. So, if you would bow your head. Father, I thank you again for a time to be in your word. Father, thank you for each one who's here. I ask the Lord that you would impress upon our hearts how much you truly love us tonight. God, the, the depths of your love, the measures that you went to to secure each and every one of us a hope to be with you in glory. Father, not only did you do that, but you sent prophets, Lord, that they killed. You sent your son that they killed. You sent apostles, Lord, that they killed. And you had all of these individuals to write down your commands, to write down your words so that we would not have to be ignorant. And yet, Father, we fall short every single day of reading your word, of following your word, of allowing the Spirit of God to guide us. Father, I ask that this church would be, a, would be a beacon of light in this community, Lord. Father, I pray that you would move in each and every one of our lives, God, that you would cleanse the imperfections that we have inside of us, God, that you would have us to be real with ourselves as we look at what you've given us, Father, and how poorly we've done with it. There's coming a day when we all will stand before you, Father, and you will wipe that tear because we will see just how inadequate we've been with the spirit that you've given us, the very spirit that created that shaped, that molded this earth, that's done everything else that's happened, and yet we use it the way we do on a daily basis. Please forgive us, Father, where we fall short. Give us your mercy, Lord, just as you always have. Be with this people, Father. Lead us and guide us in your ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.